did you end up watching the Google event? I did not, but I've had a, a good chance to look at some hands-on videos. Um, I think it's important when you see all of these renders and you see these very selectively chosen images that it's important, especially with a wearable, to actually see what it looks like on someone's wrist. Um, and with the Pixel Watch, for me, I was interested to see the thickness and the bezels. But I know the bezels were something that didn't bother you very much. The, no. Um, I really didn't. It didn't bother me because the UI is very dark. Um, the glass around it is like the whole aesthetic is very dark. So it really does a good job of masking the bezel. But, you know, I was thinking about this. Like, I just don't know what they could do to make. Like, I feel like if they extended it even more, it might look kind of weird with the over, like the overflow. I know Apple does it, but like, I don't know. Somebody, somebody there had to have thought that it doesn't look very good. But I'm guessing they tried different variations of this. They had to have. There has to be different variations of this watch before they settled on this current design and the specs and everything for it. Um, and so, obviously, it just didn't work. Um, unless they really all were, like, 100% in agreement. Like, yeah, this amount of bezel is fine. Um, but I'm guessing that since there's a large outcry over how much bezel we're getting on it, uh that someone there had to have been like, eh, maybe we could try to make it a little bit smaller. I, I don't know. Um, but honestly, I do really think, and if there if there's people out there that are listening that are thinking of switching over, I wouldn't not switch over to that because of the bezel. And I think it does look good. And I think a lot of watch faces really do help mask that. Again, it's mostly because of the, you know, the dark mode UI that's going on there. But, you know, I, I, I don't mind it. I think it's, for me, it's it's small. And that's probably because I've been wearing the the Ultra for so long, and even with a regular Apple Watch, but it just feels very tiny on the wrists. Does it feel thick? Is it is it noticeably uh, the thickness sort of not proportionate with the actual size of the watch? See, no, but that's got to be, again, because I'm like, look at how thick this thing is. Like, it, it has to be because I'm just so used to something a lot larger that when I did try it on in the hands-on, they were allowing us to try it on for a little bit. Um, I had it briefly on the wrist it felt so light and it could have just been the moment um you know i'll be able stainless to steel as well that's quite surprising was that for stainless steel as well that's quite surprising yeah because stainless is quite heavy it's not that heavy to me but again I, I have to preface this by saying and i'll have more coverage on it later so i can talk about that more to an extent but at the time it definitely felt very light um in comparison, because again, I, I just took off the, the Apple Watch Ultra that I was wearing and put that on. So it did feel a little lighter to me um, and obviously a lot smaller. So, you know, we have to take that into consideration. But yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty pleased with it. I also had like a sport band on it. I don't know what they're calling it, but um, they do have a really good selection of bands. I don't know if you saw that. Um, yeah. Which is pretty surprising. I feel like there are not a lot of smartwatches that come out with this many bands that are not from Apple. Like I think the launch. band connection system seemed really interesting. Yes. Because they've not just copied Apple, they've they've gone for something that's quite a distinctive experience. That would be something I would really like to to try myself, um, you know, actually in my hands. Because I think you need to feel uh, how smooth that mechanism is. Because I don't think it's that fantastic on the Apple Watch. And I kind of wonder if this actually might be a little bit better. I think it's good on the Apple Watch once you know how to do it, because um, there is kind of a little trick to it. You got to know which way the bands go properly, even though they might fit both ways. Like it's still not right. 
um, you know, a lot of the Apple bands will give you a, a tell, which is the, the millimeter size on it or the you know, the size in general. Um, but like some of the third party ones you might get, it might not be as easy to tell which way it goes and, you know, to get that perfect click. And sometimes they don't click and I just don't understand that in general, but, um, I've always liked it in comparison to like other smartwatches. Now it's been a while, so I don't want to bash like a Samsung watch. It's been a while since I've used it, but, um, you know, some of those were not good. Some of the other smartwatches that I've tested were just not good in terms of taking out off the watch and putting it back on or taking the bands off. I'm sorry. Um, this one definitely, you know, they didn't, they didn't copy Apple, but they definitely were inspired by it. Um, it's a, it's similar in certain aspects, and I'm glad somebody's finally come up with an idea that's similar, and then they tried to put their own little take on it. I did not get a chance to take the bands on and off while I was there, but right. I saw a few people do it, and like even people that were experienced with it did it, and they had some issues. <laughs> it wasn't seamless like uh, like Google would want you to think, but again, you know the one person that was putting it on for me uh said you know maybe it was just a little bit of nerves being on camera while i was filming her do it um so you know i had to chalk it up to just i need to try it but um some people got it right away some people did not so i mean it's gonna take some getting used to like anything and i feel like that's kind of how apple's was at the beginning um now it's pretty easy for me to take the watch on and off i feel like that's going to be the same case yeah and i think that generally the whole experience of removing bands shouldn't be too easy because you, you, you're not going to realistically be doing that a huge amount. You want to feel that it's secure when it's on there. So I think it's okay for it to be you know, a little bit finicky when you're removing it. Um, the thing that will be interesting to see is that it seems to me, just from what I understand of how this connection system works, it's, it's, a, it's a more mechanical system than Apple's that just slides in. And because the casing is narrower, um, it's like a bottleneck. It just means that it just stays in there. But this seems to be, it's more like, um, like a bayonet, like a camera lens. Isn't that what they compared it to? Yeah, pretty much. So I mean, you have to kind of like party put... bands won't work as well. I would yeah, expect you have to like put it in and twist it, and then it kind of like slides in. I mean, it'll be interesting to try out. Um, but I'm just happy that they tried something different compared to some of the other ones out there that are not very good. Yeah, and I think they're they're definitely building that that strong sense of it being a more personal device in the kind of. Really, I think the, get, the thing that we're getting to with all of this is they are properly gunning for Apple now in a way that I don't think any other smartwatch has. Apple presented the Apple Watch as something that's a lot more personal and a design that's very neutral, really. And you can make it your own through your choice of watch face and your watch band. The fact is you just haven't been able to do that with any smartwatches from Samsung. But this um, Pixel Watch definitely looks like you can basically customize it to the same extent that you would an Apple Watch. Um, yeah, and I think that even choosing stainless steel and choosing that the, the digital crown on the side, that they've they've heavily been inspired by what Apple has done. Yeah, I mean, is that your impression? I yeah, I think it's gonna be the the Apple Watch for Android users. Like, I feel like this is what you should get. I, I not to bash what Samsung's doing; they have just a very different design. But if you wanted something, and those are fine. I mean, they all ro they all run Wear OS now. Um, so if you, and that's, you know, its own issue, but if you wanted to, uh, to, to have like a nice elegant watch, that's going to do a lot of the things that an Apple watch can do. Like this is the one that can do it. Um, 
you know, it's not as sporty as like an Apple Watch, certainly not as an Apple Watch Ultra, but it's it's different. It's not meant to be like that. And you can do all of that, but it's not meant to be, you know, having that like rugged look or the the you know, the fitnessy look. It, it's a smart watch that looks like a good watch. I know the bezel's gonna, you know, but I, I do like the circular design. It's nice to see. We we haven't had that in an Apple Watch ever, and I would love to see that, but I just I don't think that's gonna happen anymore. Um but, you know, I'm so far, I'm intrigued. I think the thing that's going to really put a bottleneck on it is going to be the software. Yes. And that will be the, the main barrier to, to people getting on board with it. Because watchOS, it's not something you sit and use for very long at a time. But generally, it is pretty good at what it does and what it offers when you want to jump into a workout, when you want to check a message, if you need to reply to a message and you've not got your phone nearby. It does these basic things really well at this point. And the software is so well optimized um, for the hardware that watchOS provides a pretty good experience. I mean, I'm still a little bit critical of how long it takes to do things on the Apple Watch sometimes. I don't think that the app screen or the list view or the dock are used very well. Those would be my only criticisms of watchOS at this point. But beyond that, it's a very mature platform, I would say. There's not all that much more they can really do with it other than that just immediate navigation. Wear OS has a lot more of a way to go. And of course, they're trying to cater to a large number of devices. And they also are playing with a smaller display area. So when they use these, these square elements, like when they were, I think they were showing off um, email or calendar, they've got, to, they've got to fit that square box into quite a tiny little round space. Um, and it's just not going to, to scale in quite the same way that it does on Apple Watch. And I think that's what will put people off. But I guess what we're getting to is that they're for different sorts of people. And realistically, there's not going to be that many people that switch from one device to the other. They're going to be two separate camps um, with similar sets of functionality. Yeah, I feel like you'll be able to get by with a lot of the basics that you mentioned that watchOS is good at. I think Wear OS is fine. Um, you know, back in when I used Wear OS a little bit more, um, and it was a while ago, it was very buggy. It was just, you know, certain things were just not great. It was very slow. It's definitely improved. Um, even just my limited time messing around with it, I could tell it's it's faster. Um, and and it's, it's better at those things. I didn't get a chance to test any of the cool features that, like, you know, I couldn't test ECG. I couldn't test blood oxygen. But... You know, those things are available, which I can't recall a lot of other watches out there that can do those things that are not made by Apple. Um, and, you know, you do get, like, Fitbits were super popular. So, you know, aside from an Apple Watch, people had Fitbits for, you know, those who were wanting to track fitness metrics and sleep metrics. And now it's all encompassed into this watch because Google owns them. So, I mean, you do have to think of those benefits as well. So, I don't think it's going to be bad at um, tracking fitness metrics by any means. Uh. It should be relatively good at it. It's just whether or not the software can work with the hardware and get out of its own way to allow those features to do its job. Um, did you like the design of the UI that you saw? Limit I mean, Google always has really good presentations and stuff the way they do it. Yeah. So, like. It looks appealing, but then when you actually get it on the phone or the watch, it's not as good as it might seem. I think the watch faces are great because you can lean into yeah. that round design. And obviously, um, you know, right now I've got a I've got a round watch face on, and it's it it's it sort of looks crammed into 
the square display. And I know you can fit some complications around the edge, but it's just never going to look as good as it actually would on a on a genuinely round watch. And I think that will actually draw a lot of people to it that want a little bit more of a a fashion forward um, watch. They they want to get into a, uh, having a smartwatch for the first time. This will not be a hard watch to fit into your style um, in quite the same way that the the square look of the Apple Watch, I think, is. It's And especially when you only get an aluminium casing with the Apple Watch at this price point. Um, I think what Google have done here is quite clever in positioning the stainless steel at a much, much lower price point because I think it's almost, uh, I think most people would agree, it's probably a better looking watch, at least when it's just on your wrist without interacting with it. The functionality is a separate point because I wouldn't give up watchOS um, at this point. And obviously, it doesn't work with iPhone. So that would be the main thing that's going to yeah. hold a lot of people back. You know, some some watches did work with iPhones back in the day. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it was l- very limited functionality. Um, and it was almost just not worth it at that point. But if Google is willing to and can figure out a way to make it work well... Um, you know, I, I think there's probably more limitations on Apple's side at that point, though. Um, it would be cool because it would be nice to have that as an option to, to have a, a, a round watch. Um, but I, I just don't see that's I don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, yeah, I think Apple would want to stop that at all at all costs, especially where this device feels so close to the Apple Watch. I don't think I've seen something that. See, I wouldn't want to call it an imitation because this is where smartwatches are. So if you have a smartwatch, you just would expect it to have these features. But I feel like Apple set the bar with this. What surprised me when I was listening to it is when they were just racking off the features that this device comes with, This, these are all Apple Watch features. These are all features we've seen come to the Apple Watch first. I'm thinking things like uh, water resistance, blood oxygen, ECG, fall detection, emergency SOS, and... Uh, uh, even you know NFC to make contactless payments. All of this stuff has been on Apple Watch before. And when they were listing off those features, I was just thinking, I see all this stuff on the Apple Watch compare page. I've seen this you know, hundreds of times every year. Um, interesting that they they didn't even seem to want to separate it that much. It's like they were properly parking their, their tanks on Apple's lawn with this. Yeah. Um, just in the way they were presenting the package, they were just sort of, they almost seemed to be proud that they could list off all the same features. I mean, they were basically yeah. looking at that compare page and being like, all right, fine, we'll just match all of the things you're saying other people yeah. can't do. Um, and that's a smart move. Like, if there's not something else that you think you can do that's going to be innovative and better, then why not just match the best one out there and give other people who wish they yeah, could have an Apple Watch as well. yeah, the ability to basically get the Android version of one? So and it's you know what three forty nine same price so yeah and it's it's also uh, you get that stainless steel casing so yeah. you are getting that more premium design that Apple would otherwise charge you what three or four hundred dollars more, more for for I will say and it's been limited so I, you know I don't want to come off as I will say it doesn't feel quite as premium as the stainless steel Apple Watch interesting do you think that's yeah. maybe you you well, said earlier that you thought it was a little bit lighter do you think that's it's, because yeah it might i think be it's i think it's just the small yeah i think it's just being small and being lighter that, that gives me that that initial sense and and again i do need to keep saying this i have been wearing the apple watch ultra my wrist is very like used to that weight and feeling so i really just do think it's that and i wouldn't take too much stock into that but you know once i get a little more hands-on with it um i can kind of give a clearer update and wear it longer um but yeah, it just did, just did feel a little lighter. I don't want to say cheaper. It just felt a little less 
you know, as premium as some of the other ones out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm on board. I'm intrigued. I want to test it. I just, I really wish I didn't have to like fully make the switch to Android in order to fully get yeah. That's what I'm going to have to do though. So people are really going to hate me, but I'm, I might have to just swap the Sims over and also whoever you pray to, if you do pray at all, please pray that my eSIM transfer works properly. Oh, oh no, not again. Yeah. I'm almost afraid. I don't know if you'll survive another, another traumatic switch. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that, but I have to do it. So it just, it doesn't, I don't know. So, you know, pray for me and everyone out there that it goes well. Um, did you have any other Battery questions life? about the Pixel Watch versus the Apple Watch? Battery life is something I'm interested in. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell because you anything about so. it. It is technically, what's the regular? I, I've been so stuck on the Ultra that I forget. Is it 18 still? Yeah, it's okay. 18. It's been stuck at 18 uh, since the unveiling of the original Apple Watch. Yeah. And realistically, for most people, it doesn't make it to that. And I've always said that Apple needs to be aiming for 24 hours so that you charge once a day at the same time every day. So if you jump in the shower in your normal routine, you can just put it on the charger, especially with fast charging. That's all you need. But at the moment, you kind of need to charge twice a day in a routine because no one's really charging once in the morning and then the following day in the evening. It's it's too awkward of a, of a routine to get into. Yeah. But interestingly, um, this is 24 hours, isn't it, with the Pixel Watch? It is 24 hours. And so obviously I can't tell you if that's true in what you're actually getting, but technically it's six hours more. So, I mean, I'm going to be willing to bet that it's going to last people more um, than the regular Apple Watch. Um, the Apple Watch Ultra is obviously 32 or is it 36? Uh, Apple Watch Ultra is 36. 36. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, it's obviously not there, but, um, you know, coming but out of the gate. It is a lot smaller than what? Yeah. yeah and there's that's not the much thing that's, there for a, in a battery. That's the thing that's surprising to me. It's like, oh, I want to see that. I want to see the insides of this to see how much larger is it really? Or is, you know, Wear OS just so less heavy on the battery that they're able to squeeze out six more hours you know who knows it may even be some things they're doing with always on um because yeah, that so obviously that display area is smaller there's fewer pixels on that screen than there is on an apple watch because of its round design and bezels and also uh google's sort of vision of always on is quite different to apple's you know we saw it with iphone 14 pro that they want it to be full color and a very rich always on experience but these watch faces, they're definitely a lot more paired back, just like it is on a lot of Android devices. So that also is probably using a lot less power. So what's funny about that is I actually didn't, for the longest time, think that it had always-on display. Because at the event, they were either on because we were touching them or off when they were like being not used. Hmm. So I wonder if out-of-the-box always-on is turned off. Interesting. And there may have been some asterisks when they were talking about, you know, 24 hours. It might be that's with low power mode enabled, no, always on. Might be, might be. Um, yeah, I, I noticed that a lot of them, also a lot of them were just not connected to a phone or not connected to any network. So it was really kind of hard for me to do anything with them. It was basically I could tell you what they looked like, how the mechanism kind of worked, because even though I didn't test it, I saw other people do it. Um, and I could tell you how light they felt. Um, but, like, I, I couldn't really tell you much about 
Wear OS and how it worked because it relies very heavily on you know being connected to something else. So um, I do I do like that you do get you know for four hundred bucks um, you get GPS and everything, which is not the case with an Apple Watch. I mean it's only fifty bucks more to get GP. I'm sorry, GPS and, and LTE. Yeah, um, the regular version, Wi-Fi version is uh, three forty nine, but it's still you're still saving a few hundred bucks, right? How much is it for the regular Apple Watch? Uh, I think it adds a, a normal uh, fifty dollars, so it goes from three ninety nine to uh, four four nine. Four fifty. Okay. Well, I guess all right. Never mind. You're saving fifty dollars, so still not bad if you're interested. Yeah, it's in just that. it's just undercutting it. And when you move up to the stainless steel Apple Watch that's, models, anyway, those are all. That's uh, what I was thinking of. Those are all at baseline, you know. And this and that's the thing. Yeah. So you get for four hundred bucks, you get stainless steel and uh lte which is cheaper than 350 dollars cheaper than the 799 for the stainless steel apple watch now again it is smaller 41 millimeters i would have liked to have seen 44 and a 41 it would have been kind of nice or a 43 41 Maybe whatever they wanted to do will come another year i can i can fully expect that but i'd understand why you know with the first generation product yeah they're focusing on just one design it's why i kind of expect another smaller apple watch ultra size at some point um, that wouldn't really surprise me but when there's this much retooling that's got to go into a new product really it's got to be uh just one to start with although having said that of course the original apple watch debuted in two sizes but apple had uh, clearly set high hopes for what they were able to do with that device and Google is doing a lot more with uh, the first generation Pixel Watch than Apple was doing with the first generation Apple Watch. I mean, this is entering a smartwatch market that is already very, uh, very mature at this point. Yeah. And as we say, it's matching most of Apple's specs. Right. I mean, and that, again, I'm going to say it again. I just think that is the smartest way to tackle this. Like, yeah. if it's being dominated by somebody that does all of these things and just match all of those things and do them as well if you can. And you should succeed, I feel like. And if you can undercut them in price, I mean, even better, which they kind of yeah. did. And there's no competitor quite like this in the in the Android space. So it is providing that like-for-like experience. I mean, that's kind of what Google has been going for with Pixel this whole time, you know, with more regular software updates, with a more premium design. Uh, they've been trying to present it as the the Android version of what Apple offers. So it fits in quite nicely with that. Yeah, I mean... I'm looking at the bands, and so I've never seen. Yeah, I've still there's a, there's the active band, which is very similar to the sport band. There's the stretch band, which is like uh, what what kind of stretchy ones do we have for you know? There's a woven yeah, band. Well, that's what I was gonna say. The woven band's a lot like the oh, yeah, yeah the stretch yeah yeah okay. So that's not like a lot of these aren't like like the woven band and the watch stretch band doesn't require like any. You know, you, I think you got to get sized for that one, probably. Yeah. Um, because there's no way to adjust it. Well, I guess not. There's just a bunch of different sizes: extra small, small, medium, large. But they just have a ton of bands. There's a leather band. There's you know a metal mesh band, which is very Milanese-like. There's you know a link band, um, and they all look really good. And man, just looking at the the promo pictures, they do such a good job of making that. Um, bezel kind of disappear <laughs> like it's very yeah very deceiving well it's like when apple used to do the uh it was with the iphone 10s yeah and the... it had the exact same size notch but the wallpaper because it showed a planet 
the background was always dark where the notch was. So you, it looked like the device didn't have a notch when it was on the lock screen. So in the marketing wallpapers, it looked great. Yeah. When you actually use an app in light mode, maybe not so much. Well, and that's the thing. I need to dive into the settings more. I don't know that you can even make it a lighter mode. So I think it's just going to be dark. I think that's just well, the way what Apple does with with the Apple Watch, pretty much, isn't it? Yeah. Almost every every uh, every app is almost entirely dark mm-hmm. um, because it just looks so good on an OLED display. And really, when you're dealing with something that small that has got bezel, um, it means you can move UI elements completely to the edges and give that sort of false impression of space. But this is something that Apple did first, um, and that's kind of. I find I don't know if uh, you read about this um, or if you if you noticed it while they were talking about it at the event, but they were throwing quite a bit of shade at Apple, um, oh, yeah. especially when they were talking about Pixel. And I thought yeah, with the crash detection, yeah, and, and all this sort of thing. Um, and meanwhile, you know, they don't mention action mode, they don't mention uh, cinematic mode, and these things that Apple's done first that they right. are then copying. So it just seems it just seems a little. Uh, a little hypocritical to be to be making those claims when you have effectively released a smartwatch um, seven years after Apple has with all the same features that Apple has, except things that are, in my opinion, just software gimmicks, like the ready the Fitbit readiness score. How many people are checking their readiness score every day and deciding, well, this says I'm not that ready today, so I can't, I, you know, I can't do something today. Hey, <laughs> I think it's a good, you know, I can't come into work today because I'm not ready. Like, my readiness exactly. is just no. Hey, you want to go on a hike? Nah, my readiness score is bad. Could you imagine if that's what they've done with, with Apple Watch Ultra? You know, you can do all these these activities, but your Apple Watch says no no today. Yeah, I would use that as, you know, hey, we should go down and pick apples. You know what? I'm just not feeling up for it. Like, I think I should just stay at home and watch TV because, you know, that's a good way for husbands to get out of things that their wives want to do or, or just partners in general. I think that would be a, a good thing. Um, anyways, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know how any of that's going to work out. I do like the way they portray the information. It always looks really good inside of the app yeah. and stuff. So, um, you know, they still have one of the things that we didn't mention is they also offer sleep tracking and stuff, very similar to what you'd get. Yeah. Um, and so it'll be interesting to test it all out and, and really see, you know, if it's better or comparable because at least on paper, it's right up there. Yeah. And it will be interesting to see, especially when they can start to iterate on this device, to see if it can diverge from what the Apple Watch is offering. Because I think Pixel does offer a distinctively different experience to iPhone. Um, But I'm not sure Pixel Watch is going to do that right now. Um, I think at least they're trying to match what Apple can do, which is a natural step for a first-generation device, even down to the storage. You know, it's got 32 gigs of storage. That's exactly the same as what you get on an Apple Watch. Apple has set the bar with the expectations in, in this area. Yeah. But maybe next year, the year after next year, are they going to be adding features that, that Apple has not done, that Apple can't do? Um, that That's something that is a little bit more interesting to me, is where this goes long term because this is a big new competitor and apple has so much of the smartwatch market it's it's overwhelmingly dominated by apple watch but there are still a lot of android users out there that don't yet have a good smartwatch option and really that's who who this is for what about the pixel that you think can do better or is more intriguing because that's a good segue into you know the new pixels that launched versus the new iphones that came out a few weeks ago as well uh, I think I struggle to get too excited about them because I don't think there's any particularly groundbreaking features. Um, I think that 
what Pixel's doing with computational photography is always interesting. And I think um, Apple was definitely um, taken by surprise by what Pixel was doing. I mean, think about um, night mode. Um, and that really, that really uh, caused Apple to have to rethink its strategy for computational photography. But I'm not sure that uh, unblur is really something that you know, I'm not going to buy a new device because of unblur. My pictures are not better quality because really you'd hope that my pictures would not be blurry in the first place. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely not a feature to go out and buy it for, but it is something that is nice to have, especially since it not only works with pictures that you take on the new Pixel, but old photos that you've had in your library. So I'm guessing that's the power of the new chip that they have, which... Strangely enough, Google just started making their own processors, uh, and so you know they don't have to rely. They and the, and that's got, that's a good move. I mean, they are just trying to match Apple basically, and that's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, but when it comes to the Pixel Seven and the Seven Pro, um, really the main thing that is going to separate it from the iPhone is just the cameras because. It has been, in my opinion, for many years, just as good, if not better, and working with a lot less than most phones out there, including the iPhone. I think Apple finally, over the last couple of years, definitely caught up um, with its own image processing and its own hardware. Uh, it's it's really kind of the, the top of the line for me in terms of iPhone or just phone photography in general. Um, but I still do get really excited with pixels when they come out because I know some of the pictures that I was able to take, man, I think it was like the pixel four, uh, even some of their budget phones. Cause they still use the same process or the image processing, um, because it's still the same software. Uh, I, I think I remember taking a really good photo of my wife and daughter in like one of the budget $300 pixel four a phones. And it was way better than any other photo I've ever taken on any camera like it was so good and so getting the 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 top of the line you know flagship phones from google always makes me excited because now we're expecting better hardware uh you know the better chip should help with the computational photography and so on and so forth and so yeah this year we got photo unblur which isn't you know again something that we should really jump for but um they improved the night sight they improved upon video which has always been very bad compared to other phones out there um it, which is weird uh, but now it seems like and i will have a better idea in the next week and be able to tell you just how much better it it was or is um compared to the iphone but you know you mentioned it earlier we got cinematic blur what does that sound like to you Oh, you know, it's 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 the same it's the same old story with a lot of these features. I mean, even uh, the two times crop, uh, they're announcing this what a month after Apple just uh, just announced the exact same feature, uh, where you can where you can sort of simulate uh, a two times telephoto um, yeah. lens with the wide because the the uh, sensor is is so big. Um, but you well, are they, getting that at a lower price, of course, because you only get that on the Pro model yeah. iPhones, where it is available on the standard Pixel as well. I think that's where a lot of the people forget, though, because like I'm sure people listening to this right now will be like, well, they just copied Apple. And yeah, they did. But that's fine, because they're offering these features that a lot of people wanted, but didn't want to spend $12.99 to get an iPhone 14 Pro Max 
with you know i mean that's a little overblown it's like 10.99 but you know if you start to getting into the storage things and whatever you just don't want to spend over a thousand dollars plus to get those features when you know the pixel 7 pro is only 8.99 which by the way is the same price as the iphone 14 plus so yeah you know that's what it's competing with from a price points you know and we do mention the 2x crop mode um but that they do have that high res, that super high res capability now for zooming. Yes. Um, which is something that Apple can't do. Um, it can't go up to 30x and it cannot provide a decent image at what is it, max out at 15? I mean, you're. Yeah. You'd be That's lucky. A great image. You'd be lucky if you can uh, even begin to make out what it is you're looking at at 15x. <laughs> Um, I can't talk about this too much, but I did get a chance to test these out. I think I'm allowed to say I have the devices. I'm going to be honest. I think I'm allowed to say I have everything. Uh, I just can't talk about much more than what I talked about at the uh, event. Um, but I did try this out at the event. I didn't get a chance to really look at the pictures that I that I just snapped with it. But I was zooming in with the 30x zoom, and it I was able to really see a good amount of clarity um again it's not something more i can talk about but it was very surprising at how good it actually was at 15x 20x even 30. so yeah i think that that's that's the thing that is interesting because it's sort of setting the bar for what Apple needs to do next year. It seems to be becoming a little bit of a back and forth. You know, there's definitely some Apple features here that Apple introduced last year that it introduced this year. But these features, um, such as the the significantly better zoom, is that something we're going to see next year with the iPhone um, 15 Ultra when it's got this periscope telephoto lens? Whoa, 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 um, whoa, whoa. Like, iPhone yeah. 15 Ultra? You think that name's carrying over, huh? Uh, it's it seems quite likely at this point. The Pro Pro Max is not a great name, you have to admit. Mm, yeah, but then they need to like remove. I think we need to remove Max from. I mean, this is for a conversation for another day, but that would that would remove it at least from the iPhone product lineup. They need to remove it everywhere. We need to we need to be more uniform. Apple Watch Ultra, yes. iPhone Ultra, MacBook. Pro with the ultra chip. I but mean, it's taking a step in the right direction, I think. Yeah. And they're doing this. Um, it's a little bit of a, of a tantrum, but it's worth saying um, that what Apple is doing, um, it seems from now on, is they're going to be separating their product line a lot more. So um, we can really not be expecting the two base iPhones to be having the same features, and we can't expect the two pro iPhones to be having the same features. That This will be the last year when that's the case. Next year, the 15 Ultra, or if it is the 15 Pro Max, will have a different camera setup um, completely, and it will have this periscope um, telephoto, which should be able to give you at least a, a 10 times zoom, which is putting it a lot more in the territory of, of where the Pixel is and what the Pixel is able to do. But of course, you can bet it will be a much, much higher price point. Yeah, and that's the thing where it's like, you know, again, if you have no allegiance to uh, software, then, I mean, if you just want the phone that can take the best photos at the cheapest price, I mean, it's really getting hard for me to recommend an iPhone when you can look at the Pixel, uh, just for that specific scenario. If you're really into 
Because that's what I would really recommend Pixels for is good photography and a very vanilla software experience. Like you're not getting Samsung with yeah. the crazy features. You're getting the iPhone of Android. That's what I've always called it. And that's what it still is to me. Um, and so, uh, you know, but the, the thing that I don't know, you know, like you just mentioned, like with the features being the same for, you know, the pro and the non-pro or similar, um, that's what Pixel does with the 7 and the 7 Pro. I mean, you think about the cameras, they can do all of the same thing. It's all of the same hardware. It's all of the same software. The only difference is that you don't get that extra lens. And so they definitely borrowed that page. Are they going to continue with that? Or are they going to, in the future, separate themselves? I don't know. I can't see that just because, you know, a lot of what their game is is to try to lure people over. So, you know. Yeah. Well, to me, one of the interesting things in terms of looking at this compared to an iPhone is they talked about uh, face unlock for the first time on a yeah. pixel. Um, but that's not using a dot projector, is it? So it's not actually a depth map of a, of someone's face. It's just using a 2D image. I don't know if that's correct. Did you have a, a chance to try I, this? I did not have a chance it? to try it, no. I'm willing to bet that it's not because... I'm almost positive that you probably cannot use the face unlock for anything authentication based. Like besides unlocking your phone, I don't believe you can use it for when you need to do like authentication for a payment or a password. Yeah. I think it still needs you to put in either a password, a pin or your fingerprint. So, cause there still is an under display fingerprint sensor. So my guess is if it did, use similar, you know, security and saw and hardware as the face ID, then it would probably be touted as a direct competitor and able to be used for authentication, which is really what separates face ID to all other face unlocks. I don't think there's a phone. There might be one and I'm blanking, but I really don't think there's another phone out there that can use a face unlock feature as a way to pay for, um, you know, stuff in mobile payments or in, in like a app password, like one password or something like that. Um, I don't think you can, I don't think you can do that. I'm, I'm almost positive. You can't, I don't know. Well, yeah. So that's, that's one of those, those lines where I think maybe they've been a little too ambitious in comparing themselves to, to iPhone. And I think calling it face unlock. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could do that on, an Android tablet. You could do you it know, on a lot of a lot of ten Android years phones. ago. Yeah, and it's just a two D image, and I don't know if they should really be presenting it like that when well, it's just not going to be able to to offer uh, an equivalent experience. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me, but I don't know if they're pushing it a little bit there. I'm looking up to see because I don't want to give like misinformation. Maybe it is a you know a good system similar to the iPhone, and they just prefer you use. Uh, you know, a different way to authenticate. Um, but my guess is, you know, it's not that. Uh, did you have any other questions about the 7 and 7 Pro in terms of, like, what they announced at the event while I look this up? Not off the top of my head. I mean, one of the things that always intrigues me with android compared to iphone 
is like-for-like comparison of specs. Um, And it's interesting that Google is now playing the game of custom chips like Apple is. Um, And they're still not not up there um, with what Apple Silicon is able to do. But it will be interesting to see what... Uh, if they're getting any closer with this new G2 chip. But also, they definitely are not so good at, at memory management because they're giving the uh, the Pixel uh, 7 Pro 12 gigabytes of memory, which is a lot. That's double what the iPhone has. So, A lot of flagship Android phones have about 12 these days. Yeah. So why, why is it that... Uh, Android is not so good at memory management because I never, when I use my my iPhone 14 Pro, or if you were to use last year's 13 Pro, which had the same amount of memory, um, I don't even remember the, the 12 Pro might even have had the same amount of memory as well. Um, it's fine. You 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 apps are always open in the background. It's a really smooth experience, but it's kind of showing the cracks in what Android's able to do there. Yeah, my um, guess it may is... now be going in the right direction with a chip, but memory not so much. Yeah, my my guess is the way apps are developed. Um... I wonder, and I could be totally wrong, I just wonder if, like, Apple has such a tight ship running for how they want things to be developed and, and how things are optimized for its platform and everything that I just don't think that's necessarily 100% the case with Android development. So things are a bit loose. You know, you can sideload apps, so it doesn't even have to go through, you know, actual Google standards. So who knows? I'm guessing that's the case. It also could just be like, you know, and and they use this as a lot of like advertisement. I've noticed, you know, I've been to many events in which phones were launched for the Android platform and a lot of companies just use that as a selling point. Like, hey, this phone's got 12 gigs of RAM, 16 gigs of RAM. Like as if that's something you need, but you probably don't. And you probably could get away with eight gigs and it's probably not going to be that noticeable. Uh, well, it's quite an easy way for them to get one up on what Apple is doing, but I just don't ever know if an Android uh, flagship having more memory than an iPhone has ever really shown its muscle, other no. than in really specific benchmarks or yeah. really specific workflows. I actually think that it's just not beating Apple's um, harmonization of hardware and software. But that's why I guess the G2 chip is interesting, because they are trying, they are going in that direction and specializing a lot of that custom silicon technology for what the Pixel is known for, which is uh, computational photography, is where things get a little bit interesting because it means that if Apple's um, silicon hardware can truly deviate from what Android is doing, it should enable them to eventually be showing off camera features that the other just can't do at that time. Yeah. So again... It's something that is perhaps in its early stages. You know, people say we're reaching peak smartphone, peak iPhone. There's still a lot left to do in these areas when we're talking about much more powerful, much more specific um, custom silicon workflows. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, you know, my final thoughts about the Pixel 7 so far with very limited use, um, I think the cameras are going to just be the selling point. Um not really going out on much of a limb, but I, I I just think it's the bread and butter and it's seemingly still very good. And you're getting a bunch of features that might be useful. If you have a dog or kids that are running around and you just can't seem to get the right shot, 
Um, and we've been there, even with good phones, good camera, uh, you know, iPhone, sometimes it is blurry. And the ability to have Google software uh, to get your photos to be unblurry is impressive. I have not used it, so I do not know how well it works. But if it's anything like the Magic Eraser, which works really well, um, I'm betting that it's probably going to work pretty decently. And so I'm looking forward to that. Um, the night site was always good. Apple definitely caught up. So I'm intrigued to see how much better. And Apple did tout, you know, better, you know, larger sensors. So more light coming in on low light photos. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see who would win there. And then, you know, in video. Well, it should be faster now. That's one of the things they talked about, isn't it? Yeah, that faster. They sort of implied that it's faster than what other devices can do. Because Apple's night site or night mode is quite so slow. So slow. Yeah. So it should be faster in, in the shutter speed and being able to capture those photos at night. Because how often have you been trying to take a photo at night and you're waiting ages for that thing to take the photo? And then maybe it is something that's like standing still, but not like like if you're kids, they can only hold a pose for so long. If you're outside in, the, in some very well, you know, low lit areas, you know, Christmas is coming around. So you're, maybe you're by just things with Christmas lights in the distance and you want to get a family photo. And your kid had a perfect pose, and then all of a sudden, it they look the other way, and, and you missed it because you're waiting five seconds for the night sight or the night mode to work. You know, So that would be useful. Um, the zoom, I don't know how useful that is and you know how, how many people are really zooming in 30x, but it seems as though that's going to give you a decent photo. Samsung's definitely done it, so I don't see why Google or even Apple could do it themselves. And then with video at this point, it's been so bad for so many years that I'm just kind of hoping for like slightly above average, and in which case I would call it a win. And they are borrowing cinematic blur, uh, well, cinematic mode and just calling it cinematic blur, and then active mode and just calling it active stabilization. So it'll be intriguing to see who wins out on that one. But um, yeah, it's a very similar phone to last year's Pixel 6 and 6 Pro, just kind of tweaked a little bit it's like what what apple did with the iphone 14 and 14 plus really in terms of design at least yeah well, it's very it's very minor iterations uh, i think it's interesting that they choose with the design uh one thing i've always found a little bit strange with uh what pixel's done is that you only get the the matte finish on the on the cheaper device so it's swapped around you get the gloss on the pro but the matte on the the base model and i think that the matte is so much nicer yeah, I am wondering which one is matte. Um, the ones that I saw, both of them were glossy, seven and seven pro. Right. So I'm I I need to go back and I didn't get it. You know, it was a crazy trying to get all those people to make a video at the same time is. Not fun and very limited. So, like, you know, most of the times I'm not even able to, like, touch it because there's so many people around. And we're all trying to get shots that I can't even, like, I can't pick it up and ruin it for everyone else. So, the ones that I were was able to experience, and I think it was the darker colorway in the 7. It was, like, obsidian or whatever they call it. Um, that one did not appear matte to me. That was glossy. So, I wonder if it's a certain color that has the, the um, matte finish to it. Uh, did you want to talk about the Pixel tablet at all? Because while I don't, I, and this isn't even like I can't like talk about it, it literally wasn't there for me to look at. So uh, I'm yeah. only going off of what they talked about. 
but I was intrigued for a majority of it, but like not very like overwhelmed by it. But when they introduced that speaker doc to it, then I became kind of intrigued. What about you? No, that was exactly my thinking. Um, for me, what's interesting with uh, a Pixel tablet is it's been a long time since Google has done a tablet. And in the meanwhile, much like with the Apple Watch, Apple has captured so much of that market share. And the iPad, as much as we complain about it not being a, a real computer, um, it offers a great tablet experience. Yeah. Um, you know, just if you're not actually trying to do work, you want to do some light entertainment, reply to some emails, it's great for that. How will Google deliver that experience? Um, which it's, it's hard to do to scale Android properly. I mean, they've been used to doing it on um, accommodating Android on foldable devices, on a large range of devices, but it's got to be a little bit cohesive. They've chosen that display size for a reason. They've chosen that sort of ceramic finish for a reason. And it will be interesting to see meaningfully how that really compares to the iPad. Um, but I think this dock is key to it. That's what I think got people's interest because it's what a, what a simple, obvious idea that it becomes like a, a photo frame, like a, a home device that well, you, can, you can use as a sort of smart speaker, use it as a digital photo frame. It's a way of using a tablet in a way that otherwise you think with an iPad, when you're not using it, it just sits there. Whereas this is something that can be used, you know, 24 hours a day. So what this reminded me of was, remember the, like, rumors about a new uh, HomePod that was going to have a display that could follow you around? And maybe you could even, like, or it was going to interact with your iPad and, like, kind of like this. I was in, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, they actually kind of, like, not beat Apple to it, because I don't know if Apple was really doing it, but... They kind of did. They they made a, a a tablet that could be your smart home device where you can do Google Duo calls. Um, you know, you can use the speaker then, and it's already got Google functionality. So basically, yeah, it turns into a what is it? They call it the Nest Hub or Nest Displays or whatever. They change the name so often on those, I can't keep up. But yeah, it becomes one of those devices with far more functionality after at the end of the day with them. And so that's what makes it intriguing for me. I actually do use Google Home products uh, or Nest Home products. Um, by the way, we need to talk about this for a second. Google, Apple gets a lot of hate for the naming conventions and everything and like how yeah. things are confusing. I don't think Google's off the hook because with the smart home stuff, they are all over the place. It's It's... They bought Nest a long time ago, and they kept the name with it, okay? And then they changed it and made it Google Home. But then they still kept Nest for certain products. And then they removed Nest from certain products. And then they brought it back. And, like, if you are anyone out there listening, if you have a camera from Google, it's the Nest camera, right? But it doesn't work in the Nest app unless they're older ones. Then you need to use the Nest app. And it's like, what are we doing here? Like, well, there's two different apps. They're named two different things, but they want to move away from the Nest app, but they want to keep the Nest name. If you're confused, it's because I'm confused. And so they don't share any, they need to get some of the blame here on their naming. So, um, anyways, yes. My thought was when they showed the tablet docking to the speaker, I was kind of hoping it would turn into the same, like, 
you know how like Windows, when they have tablets, you can go to like tablet mode and Windows mode, like full on Windows. Yeah. Like I was kind of hoping they would have, and maybe they still do. It's early. It's not coming out until next year. Like I kind of hoped it would just go into that exact same feature uh, software, like features as the Nest Hub that you get, where it's very minimal and like it just turns into that basically. And it kind of did that, but not quite. Well, I suppose that's something that they're able to iterate on over time. And I'm assuming there's a lot that will still change with this tablet. Uh, there's a reason why they didn't show off a massive amount of its functionality or a massive amount of specific detail. Yeah, just not um, ready, probably. But this this dock being, it seems like it's quite central to the experience of using the tablet. Um, I, I think it's an ingenious idea. And I, I think it's actually quite disappointing that Apple hasn't really thought about that and that apple is happy for you to just not use your ipad for a day it's just set locked on your desk and uh you know just deplete battery life when it could be a useful product all the time providing you contextual information and that would really not be too hard i mean they're, they're even using like a smart connector like connection and a magnets and they were talking about how uh you know the the magnets are, are quite firm but not too firm and it kind of reminded me of how apple talks about mag magsafe it really felt a little bit more like this should have been a, a, an Apple product. It wouldn't really surprise me if this is something that maybe not with this year's iPad Pros, but maybe next year with something like the iPad Air, especially if all the devices uh, in Apple's tablet lineup are moving to this squared off design. Maybe it's something we do see at some point. Well, I like New to think... New coming, maybe as a smart connector. Something I like, like to that. think I like to think of that as a next step, right? Like there's been rumored, you know, MagSafe on the, on the iPad Pros, right? And a lot of us immediately thought like, oh, well, how are we going to use that for charging? And it really, and I'm guilty of that. I didn't think of it until just now. Maybe that's not quite what MagSafe is the step for, but maybe it is for something like this for where it's going to help the docking experience onto a speaker of some sort. Um, well, the iPad is packed with magnets. You think about how it connects to the Magic Keyboard. Um, and they've got that smart connector on there that provides power yeah. and it, it uh, can transfer data. It's everything that, that they need um, for that experience. Um, and I would really enjoy that. I mean, there's plenty of people, people will map their iPads to be able to use the home app. So it would be really, it, I think that this is probably what Apple is working on. We know they're working on something that's likely going to be called Home OS, which will effectively be based on TV OS and provide a lighter experience where you can use messages and FaceTime, but it will kind of be like the, the sort of paired back experience you get on Apple Watch, but on larger displays. And it will run on the TV and probably will run on some sort of smaller home tablet. But imagine if the iPad could switch to that mode when you dock it. Um, but Google's got there first. So yeah, Google is, is really... Um, I was just going to say, I was hoping it was going to be out now because that's what I'm probably the most intrigued by out of everything besides maybe the watch. But like, I really want to test that out. Um, I will say uh, I was sitting next to somebody. I will leave him nameless so that he doesn't get in trouble. But he did say that it not that he'd get in trouble, but he did say that he thought the, the tablet looked a lot like something Fisher Price would make, which makes me laugh. So the white are uh, ambitious. Yeah, it it just looks cheap on the back, but like those things it might don't feel me. good though, because the iPad sometimes does not feel fantastic to hold with yeah. the flat edges picking it up off a surface, um, and also you know it can be cold to the touch, and when you want to kind of 
curve your hands around the ergonomically around the device to watch something. The iPad is not really comfortable. You know, if you're trying to watch something in bed, the iPad is not that comfortable to hold. Right. And it is heavy, especially with a 12.9 inch iPad. That's a lot of metal there. So going for some sort of composite material, that's interesting to me to have a lighter, more ergonomic tablet. But I, you know, yeah, it, it will probably feel cheaper. And and I don't even know because I don't even think they list this or t- they told us, but I don't even know how big this screen is, um, or how big it is in general. But like just judging by the pictures and the looks of it, I'm guessing this is going to compete more with the Air, um, and be more yeah. in, and be more in that size. Um, and it honestly, from the front image, kind of looks like it. You know, it's squarish from there, and it's like, or not squarish, but it looks more squared off, and like the bezels are kind of the same. It looks like I'm, I'm looking at it now like on the width and everything. And so, I don't know. I feel like it'll be fine as long as Android can, that's the biggest thing is how is Android going to accommodate larger screens? I know they've worked on, it was it Android, what do they call it? L maybe? There's a specific- um, Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Name for it. And you know, it's, it was mostly for foldables, uh, but then I think they were like, also for tablets, we need to make a better experience. And so they have been developing. It is out there for phones that have a larger display. Um, it can accommodate a little bit better, but they, they need to fully lean into that with this. And I think that's why it's probably taking a little longer. Um, you know, it can't be hard to manufacture a tablet. So I'm guessing they're just trying to figure out all the uh, ins and outs in terms of the software and just make sure it's right. Because if it comes out and it's buggy, why would you spend 400 bucks on that when you could just get an iPad? Yeah, it's the dock. I would agree. Yeah, I think that will draw a lot of people to it, especially if you're if you're looking for that sort of home device. Maybe you're getting into some smart home accessories for the first time. I think it's it could be a really interesting, really compelling device, especially in a world where tablets outside the iPad are not doing great. Maybe this can lead to a little bit of a revival in that industry. That would be that would be nice to see, and it might. I think at minimum, I think we can all agree that Apple could do with a bit more competition for the iPad. Um, yeah, so they don't get need, lazy. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a good thing fundamentally if we've now got Pixel Watch pinching features and uh, you know, iterating on new technologies, and even more so, I would say, with the tablet. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm... I was just gonna say, like, if they make this tablet, which they are seemingly going to make it a way to, you know, make it useful when you're not using it, and make it a part of your home as well. Like, think about how many people take an iPad mini and put it on their walls for, like, smart home control. Um, I think a lot of people, I think Apple would sell a device like that like crazy if they offered some sort of, you know, software adaption that would, you know, the moment it's docked on something, it recognizes it and it brings up the home app maybe with, like, a very specific set of controls or something, Uh, you know. I would buy that in a heartbeat. So, and and I don't even use HomeKit. It would force me to really want to use it. Speaking of HomeKit, well, it's never been that great, but it might be now with Matter at least. Yeah, I'm hoping that's the case. I mean, HomeKit's UI always bugged me. Then with the new update, it looks so much better. I like it. I want to use it. Why do my devices not work? This is a whole other I don't know if there's many people that say that their their smart home setup works perfectly. Because even if you've got great internet, for some reason, you've got all of these hubs and the ones that don't have hubs only work on 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi. 
Um, and then, you know, you have a you have a power outage and then certain things don't reconnect to the network. And it's just the way it is. But Matter should fix this because at least now everyone will be working on the same platform. We hope, at least. And the home app is definitely a lot more stable than it was. I know since I was starting to use the iOS 16 beta, um, the home app was a lot more reliable. And I know it hasn't got that full new architecture yet, but even just the... Maybe it's coincidence, but it does feel a lot more stable to me now. And I, I use quite a lot of smart home accessories. My biggest issue, and we'll we'll end it here after this, but maybe for those of you out there who have the same issue as me, I've looked it up briefly. I've been overwhelmed and gave up because I was like, I just don't care right now. It's the hue bulbs just not responding. Why is everything in my HomeKit app not responding? Like, what am I doing wrong? It, I have to undo it and redo it. I'm not going to buy 30 bulbs over again because they have matter in it. Like why? I don't know. I... It should come via an update to existing devices, at least most of them. What's that? Oh, you think as an update? Yeah, come. that's true. Yeah. So it, it should make the smart home experience a lot better. But this is the thing that's holding people back. You know, how are you going to convince people? A lot of people look at smart home products and they say, well, I can just get up and just go and you know switch a light switch on. So why do I need to get my phone out? Isn't that actually worse? And it's not the the, the use case has not been proven to ordinary people. Now I know that I like my my smart bulbs to fade on in the morning when I wake up, or you know sync them with different scenes, um, so you have some more relaxed lighting in the evening. You know I, I like that sort of thing, but it's time consuming to set it up. It's time consuming to troubleshoot and it's time consuming to set up scenes. So if the if, if this can be something that out of the box, this stuff just works so much better, um, then maybe maybe we will get there. And maybe. I think this year probably is a year that we've got a little bit closer to that with Matter. Let's hope. So yeah, uh, by the time you listen to this, Maybe I'll have more information about the Pixel Watch and the Pixel 7 and the 7 Pro. So shameless plug, please follow. Uh, first off, follow the podcast. Um, subscribe, however you're consuming this. And then, of course, subscribe to the channel because we'll have hopefully all the answers to the questions that I was not allowed to talk about today. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one.